I play real sports. I'm not trying to be the best at exercising. I don't think Murrayfield has ever buzzed with the same air of feverish anticipation as at this very moment, as one of the great sporting occasions is about to unfold. Welcome to the Top 2 Inches Podcast Season 2. Now, I know some of you might be thinking that November is a kind of a strange time to start a season of a rugby-based podcast. Well, to you, I say two things. One, we started uh, Season 1 at the exact same time, so we're very consistent. And two, we finished Season 1 in April. Pretty much the worst time you can finish a rugby-based podcast. So, we operate on a different system, different time zone to the rest of the calendar. And it doesn't look like there's an awful lot of room for manoeuvre there. Moving on though, we've got a lot to catch up on, as you can imagine since we finished in April. We've got the Pro 12 semi-finals and final, we've got the European Cup final, we've got the um, the 10 match Lions Tour and all the fallout that came from that, we've got the expansion from the Pro 12 to the Pro 14, we've got detailed analysis of the first 8 rounds of the Pro 14 plus the first 2 rounds of the European Cup, and of course we're going to talk at great length about the upcoming internationals, so settle in folks, it's going to be a long one. Joking, I am. Barely talking about any of that stuff, actually. Just the internationals. Got a new feature for you. And then we're doing a quiz. Lovely stuff. See you there. Well, lads, what's the story? How are we doing? Hey, Lloyd. Good. Hey, Fraze. It's been a while. It's been a very long time. April the 27th, I think. Uh, so and it, today is November yes. the 12th. Yeah. Really keeping the listeners engaged. Yeah, really, really smashing it during that peak rugby period. Well, look at better late than never. Absolutely. And what a good time to come back in. And I did actually check it up, and I've, I've mentioned this on the intro. This is basically the exact same time we started last season anyway, so. And what a rising success that was. Oh yeah, listeners akimbo. Right, boys. Um, how are your weekends been? Sunday today. Uh, I had a stag day yesterday. Um, yeah, good fun. Very good fun. Yeah. Actually, Oktoberfest bar. Oops. What's an Oktoberfest bar? Is it like a it's bar, bar where it's October? Yeah. Exactly. You nailed it. Where was that? Uh, it's in Fulham. They basically they bring out an Oompa band. You get your wiener schnitzel, um, you get your pretzels, and then you get up on the tables and go nuts. Is any later hosing on? No, but there was a lot kicking around. Um, there was a hockey club in with us that were really kitted out. So that was a stag nice. that was essentially you- like a night out rather than going away anywhere? Yeah, well, it's the, the guy's Australian and he's having his actual stag back in Australia, so we organised a London one for him um, at sort of late notice. Very good. Is this for your rugby team? He plays in the rugby team, yeah. 
Did you play yesterday? Did, yeah. Did you get a W? Didn't. Don't want to talk about it. Okay. We won't then. <laughs> and you, Ricky, you were in Dublin yesterday. I was indeed, yeah. First time at the, at the Viva for an international in a few years, actually. I don't even know exactly when the last time was, but uh, yeah, great day out. Awesome. We'll get into that a bit more. Uh, first of all, yeah, we're going to kick straight into the internationals and we're going to start with Scotland. Um, 44 to 38, kind of the, like an absolutely mental scoreline when, when you really watch it, the quality of the game was pretty low for the amount of points that were scored. Yeah. The defence, especially. Um, I mean, admittedly, watched it a little bit under the influence last night when I came in. Um, but from what I saw, it was it was pretty low quality. Um, I would say that there were some good individual performances. I was actually very impressed with Daryl Marfo, which is good because we needed a big performance from him. Um, but certainly, plenty of of worrying um, points to pick up on. I guess with New Zealand next week. Um, it's going to be a toughie. Yeah, I was going to say because so you, there was some nice tries actually scored. Jones's try was really good. Hogs was uh, between him and um, oh shit, I've forgotten your your winger's name. Seymour. Seymour. That's a great start. Seymour, that's a great start to the pod. Uh, him and Seymour down the right hand side on the uh, after a couple of minutes. Horn's try was quite yeah. nice, but defence, as you say, with New Zealand and Australia coming up, it's got to be quite a concern, especially in around the fringes, I counted it, four out of the five tries that Samoa scored were from just basic pick-and-goes. Mm. Yeah. It's, what's, what's happening there? I don't know. I think we lack a bit of physicality. Um, and because, well, I mean, Samoa certainly don't lack physicality, but no, I always feel that, or in the last sort of five years of Scotland, have got much better attack. You gain... Uh, you gain very easy yards off of Scotland, I think. Um, I think that comes to the fact that we're quite, I feel like we're quite a small team. Um, but, no, certainly loads of positives. Jones Jones is absolutely electric, Hugh Jones that is. Um, I'm so impressed with him as a 13. I think him and Dunbar would be great, great together at Glasgow. Um, I just feel that we, we maybe lack a bit of beef up front. Um, and when we've got Gray and, I guess... First choice, um, two and three out. It's it's not it's not a great help. No, it's pretty and tricky. W- ask. Well, what do you think, Chris? Now, obviously, uh, Laidlaw is out injured, and therefore, mm. Ali Price comes in, and Barkley gets the captaincy. You've never been his biggest fan. Like, is there a way back in for him in in Six Nations, or do you think that could be that could Laidlaw. be it for him? Yeah. Um. Uh, I mean, he's been in camp all week. I, I'm, I'm certainly, I'm certainly not as big as fan as a as a player, but I mean as a captain, as a person in the squad, I think he's he's done phenomenal things for Scotland, and I don't think anyone would doubt that. The, the noises that come out in Scotland camp are are so positive about him. Um, I personally, the way that Townsend wants to play, he's kind of publicised that he wants to play the fastest brand of of international rugby going, um, and I think. The nine that can do that best for Scotland is Price. I think Laidlaw slows the game down a little bit too much. He obviously has a very good kicking game, and, um, brings a lot of leadership and, and control, but I'm not sure he can, he can provide the pace in the game that, that Price can. So I certainly wouldn't be surprised if, it, if it's the end for him. Um, and personally, I think it's, it's probably the right decision if it does go that way. 
Interesting to see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So in the more immediate future, though, sort of New Zealand and then Australia coming up, what what does Scotland do between now and then? Have they got anyone coming back from injury that can help the cause? Or no, I don't think anyone. No, I don't think anyone will come back. Um, they may make a couple of tactical changes um, in the in the pack, but I think the back will, the backs will stay the same. Um, but no, there won't be any any injury returners for, for the New Zealand game. Um, I, I, I can't see us. I really can't see us pushing New Zealand. Um, I think it's just too early in Townsend's reign, and I think we're just a couple couple players too short. Um, I, I really hope we go and put in a performance, um, but I think you target Australia as the as a as a win, and hopefully we can beat them. Is there any chance with with obviously having Australia in the, in the third game that he'll actually? Um, no. No. Weaken the team from New Zealand and send them nah. out as cannon fodder and try and be. Nah. I don't think he can. No, I don't think he'll do that. I'd be, I'd be, I'd be well, quite disappointed. It's a big I mean, everyone, to, go, to go three in a row. Yeah, everyone in camp will want to play next week, and like they'll, they'll definitely up the game. Um, but yeah, it'll be good. It'll be good. Kind of test worst, of where we're at. possible if you tried to do that as well. It's just like, yeah, we don't. Yeah. Don't have a chance against New Zealand. Let's just throw in the in the bees. And Scotland don't really have enough players to throw in the bees just now. Yeah. That's not where we're at as a as a nation now. We're, we've come on too far to, to be up to that sort of business. Um, I think we, we've taken a step forward and we're, we are competitive now. And I think with a full squad, I think we could we could. Well, I mean, we scared them last time out, um, and I think we could really push them close. But I, I, I'm not under any kind of illusions that we're going to be favourites going into it. Okay, what does what does success look like then for the, over the next two weeks? I think success would be winning two games out of this series. And I think that'd be a really good success. I mean, obviously, the last couple of years, we've won two games. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this year, given the, the kind of threadbare squad, I think it would be an even bigger achievement. And that would give them some real confidence going into the Six Nations as well. Um, and I think we can. I mean, the boys would be very confident of beating Australia. We've beaten them, I think, two out of the last three times we've played them. Um, and been very close every other time. So I think... I think that would, that would classify success for us. Okay. Well, I mean, I watched Wales, uh, Australia yesterday, sorry, and they're very clinical and, and, you know, they're just off the back of beating, um, beating New Zealand not, not too many weeks ago as well. So that be, will be a pretty yeah. tricky test. I rate, I rate Australia very highly. I, I really do. I think, that, I don't think they get enough credit. Um, they've also got a, a lot of players kind of like Pocock and things that will come back come World Cup time. Um, but they're they've got holes. They can be they can be got at. They'll, they'll score tries against you, but they can certainly be got at. Mm. No, well, I mean you saw that yesterday. But uh... mm. okay, cool. So that's Scotland. Anything else that you want to add for the the autumn? It seems a pretty quick review that we've given there or preview. Uh, I don't think so. Um, I'm just interested to kind of see. I mean. It was interesting to hear Price midweek talk about the difference between Carter and Towns, and Carter kind of had maybe five, five or six moves that they'd have variations of going into into a series, whereas Townsend, Townsend's playbook is is closer to twenty. Um, so he's obviously bringing up a he's bringing a much more complex game plan to 
through Scotland camp, but I find that quite interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Very good. Um, if we move on then, the, um, I think the probably the, the game that we were expecting to be the closest yesterday was in Cardiff, Floyd. Um, you watched on and unfortunately made it, am I right in saying, 13 in a row defeats against Australia? Probably all uh, a large portion of them within one tour. 13 straight losses. Um <laughs> Don't even get within one score in the end, disappointingly. But it's a much bigger, it's a big improvement on last year's drubbing to them, thirty-four eight or something like that. I can't quite remember, but we got smashed. Um, yeah, it was a bit of a mad game, actually. It's really, it's odd, isn't it? Like, if you consider over the time, over the thirteen, whatever the time span is that you've played those thirteen games, and if you think of your success or the number of wins that you would have had against England, Ireland, and Scotland over that time. And all of those teams have, have had a good few wins against Australia, but they're just proper bogey team for you. Yeah, I, I mean, them in New Zealand, but New Zealand are a bogey team for pretty much everyone. But well, that's what I mean. It's different to that. Like, Yeah, a, 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 I don't really know how to explain it. And yesterday, I mean, I, I properly nerded out on this today. There were some absolutely mad stats from this game. So, defenders beaten, Wales had 20 to Australia's three. We had 414 metres gained to Australia's 370. Wales? 12 clean Australia had three defenders beaten. Apparently, according to the stats, 12, 12 clean breaks to their three, 190 passes to their 140, 17 offloads to their three, and yet nothing to show for it. Uh, well, very little to show for it. Whereas they, anytime, especially in the first half, um, anytime they got in the red zone, they were just so clinical. Uh, and it, I think one thing that those stats do sort of lend themselves is that it's quite clear that we are trying to change the style that we're playing. There's been a lot of you know hot air in the past, but from Gats and that about what we're trying to do. But I think on this, you know, it looks like that is the case. We're trying to play more, but I think did you really certainly first half yesterday? We just didn't. Did you really play. think that there was a big difference yesterday in terms of the game plan and the win? Yeah, definitely. You could see it, but I don't think that we implemented it cleverly enough at times, and especially the first half. Yeah. We, were, we were trying to play from everywhere. Um, I think it's often it's often the case when a, a team... I mean, Munster were like that. I remember when... Um, under Rob Penny. Yeah, when Rob Penny came in, they went they just kind of went wide, wide, side to side, um, and didn't earn the right to go forward first. Yeah. I think it's, kind of, it's often it's quite a, a common thing when a team tries to change the way they're, they're playing like that. They instantly kind of go too far the other way. If you know what yeah, I mean. Yeah, there was definitely a case of that, and I just think, you know, we we kicked the ball out of hand fourteen times yesterday, and I looked it up, and the average over our last ten plus games is twenty three times. So, and I think, and I'd say a lot of those fourteen were in the second half. We just didn't kick the ball into their into their territory at all. I think we spent eight percent of the time in their twenty two, and you're just not going to win a rugby game. So in, with that little territory in, in in the danger areas, and you know, one of the times that we did, we actually scored a really really nice try, a couple of lovely passes, um, link up between Owen Williams and Dan Bigger, Jonathan Davis get a three on one, and then Steph Evans does really well to finish it in the corner against uh, against Beale. But other than that, except for the ninth, sorry, eightieth minute or seventy eighth minute when we finally scored again, other than that, we really struggled to to break them down. It was kind of like, it's kind of Groundhog Day again, you know, just like the World Cup 2015. A lot more, a lot of 
ball in a lot of dangerous areas, certainly towards the end of the second half, and just couldn't do anything with it. Mm. But and what do you think the solution is for for next week? Who have you got next week? We got we've only got Georgia next week, but I mean, as you say, only that's not going to be a fun game to go into. And yeah, I don't know. Did you see? Did you guys the see Mikey the, Georgians? Did you see the tryout? Their fullback scored yesterday. Yeah. Yes, it is. Anyone who's listening and hasn't seen it, make a point of going looking this up. It is incredible. <laughs> it is awesome. He must fly at least five meters through the air. It is. And he also like, like he's lucky not to kill himself against the advertising board. <laughs> but the the sheer commitment, like to give a bit of context, essentially it's a kick through and the ball. It's one of these that just looks like it's rolling dead and the. Canadian kind of defenders have given up the chase and it looks like it's just going to roll out over, over the end and be a scrum back. The fullback had different ideas and he just puts the head down from like, he's a good 40 out, I'd say, when he starts oh, chasing. Yeah. And he commits he to the jump. A whisker. He commits. Fully, full dive, gets his, his, his hand on it and gets it out. It's absolutely classic. He commits to the jump, yeah. maybe like a step into the dead ball area. And then I hope that man got a off. beer last night. Yeah. He properly flies. Um, so, yeah, we got Georgia next week. That's, that's not going to be the. You know, big for Georgia, really, isn't it? Like, they'll really fancy a crack. Like, they're obviously one of the really emerging nations and they're getting some more yeah. bigger games now. Yeah. Um, I mean, Wales won't be lose the game, but, like, I'd be interested to see what kind of challenge they can put up and what kind of problems they can cause. Also, yeah, yeah I mean, when you look at. We've got them in the World Cup as well. So, um, mm. you know, mm. we'll be trying to have a look at them from that perspective there, definitely. When you look at the score, that I mean, like 50, 55, was it 54 points they put on Canada? Yeah, maybe yeah. even more. They smashed them. They, um, I mean, like if Scotland, Wales, or Ireland went to Canada and and put 55 points on them, you'd be you'd be pretty happy. Yeah, well, it was in Tbilisi, but um... well, yeah. I mean, even if they came to to the UK or Ireland, yeah, you'd be content, definitely. Um, yeah, 54 points, you're right. So it w- that definitely won't be easy. And yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does. I don't think he'll start the same team. I think Priestland will start 10. I think uh, I've read that Patchell is going to start 12. We now need to find a new 13 because Jonathan Davis is looks like he's out for the rest of the autumn. He, he literally got a, a bad ankle uh, twist in the 80th minute when we were trying to play from our own 22 for no reason. Um just a bit oh. of a freak one. He had to go off, off on one of those uh, little golf buggies. It'll be Scott Williams back in, won't it? Possibly, or he might. He might try and play Owen Watkin there at thirteen, because um, he's you know he's probably played as much pro rugby at thirteen as he has at twelve. So we'll see. Run us, run us through the options. You've got Scott Williams can play thirteen. Owen Watkin. Really, that's play it. 13. Uh, Hadley Parks is in the squad, but he won't be he won't be involved until the South Africa game. So. Um, whether or not we, As in, no, whether or not they call he has to up. do a service time until then, does he? Sorry? He hasn't served his three years until then, is that right? That's right, yeah. Or why not? Man, it's a mad old world we live in. Mm. So he might bring in Ashley Beck from the Ospreys, but uh, mm. I'm not sure. Uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see what he does there, but JD's going to be such a huge loss because he's, you know, it's going to be an, an inexperienced centre partnership, whichever it is. So you'd need JD's sort of wisdom there against New Zealand and, and South Africa but it is what it is but yeah you'd have, you'd have to think it changes his thinking now in selection for next week because whoever it is to be he probably wants to give them the 13 shirt for next week to be ready for the following week 100% before yeah. he's got to put someone in and then JD back in obviously yeah I, I would 
I'd imagine he'll go Scott Williams just because he needs some experience. And if he's if he's going to be playing Owen Williams again at 12 against New Zealand, or if Patchell has a great game at 12 and he decides to go with Patchell, then he needs someone outside, whoever that is, who's got a bit of a international clout. What did you think of Williams yeah. yesterday? Uh, yeah, he, he he did his job fine. He was, you know, I think he 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 him and Bigger switched it up a bit. He moved into the first receiver at times and let Bigger go to twelve. And you know, they definitely the center partnership looked more fluid and we got the ball out more. And I thought our more impressive than that. I thought our forwards took the ball at first receiver and looked to offload more than I can remember. Rob Evans and Alan Wynn Jones were big parts of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so there was a lot. I think there's a lot of positives to take, but I just think we just got to be a bit smarter and try and play in those areas. And then the old cliche, you've got to be clinical. So, um, but there's positives to take. I think those kind of stats against Australia compared to the kind of stats that we usually throw up against Southern Hemisphere teams definitely means that we're stepping in the right direction. We just need to do it and have rewards at the end of it now. Be a bit more effective. Um, it did include, and this will be one of the, Ones which the stats won't pick up, but currently Beale's really bizarre try that I saw this morning. Yeah, exactly. Lindsay Evans, no? It's mental. Um, um, he makes a tackle and essentially strips the ball in the tackle, and he strips the ball like so, rolling on the floor. It's Steph Evans that he picks off, and we sort of played the ball through so the discreet. hand up to the wing. It's it's, it's really so discreet weird. that the Welsh uh, defenders are actually like go to bind on Steph Evans as if the rock is still happening. I mean, while Curly Beale is on his way to the trial line. It's, it's very one odd. One, it's one of those ones where the camera has to catch up with Beale because they don't know what's happened. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and at that, that, that moment, I mean, there's 20 minutes to go there. We're six points down and we're, and we're playing all the rugby. Um, and that kind of kills it for us, really. We, uh, and then Hooper ends up getting going down to 14 men, exactly like the World Cup, in fact. And we just couldn't, couldn't find a way through. So, as I say, they took their chances and even freak chances like that fell to them and didn't fall to us. Um, it wasn't the funniest thing that Curtie Beale did in the match though because that was when he was uh, pulled in to play on the flank. Oh, so that, it was very like Johnny May in the Six Nations it's getting where he just Johnny doesn't May know levels. what to do. Like he's uh, it's not like Johnny May will never, those levels will never be reached again no, but no, no. Uh, it's, it's it's a good way there. Yeah, you, like, he, doesn't, he just doesn't know what to do with his arms. What's going through? I find it incredible that like like these players, they've, all they've been doing their whole lives has been Robbie. Like, surely one time they looked in and just see what what, they, what a flanker does. Like, it's like in Talladega Nights when Ricky Bobby's getting interviewed and he just doesn't know what to do with his hands and he keeps rising <laughs> up to his face. I just don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> because he, in the same vein as Johnny May, like, he tries a few different options. Like, he shuffles about uh, as if he's like a process of elimination to find where he's meant to be. Like, it's it's very comical. Do you think he was just doing take the piss? I don't think so, no. No. But I really not the time for taking the piss. No. <laughs> it's the worst time no. for the piss. Not the time or the, or the place. The time or the place. Yeah. So anyway, we move on now. We've got uh, as Wales love to do, we've got four games in the autumn, uh, finished with South Africa. After seeing well, I mean, the performance which we'll talk about more, seeing their performance against you yesterday, I'd still be very confident we can beat them. I'd hope that we beat Georgia and then I mean a depleted squad as it is, I can't see us. I can't see us putting a number on doing anything to New Zealand. But that is one thing I will say though. For the we ran Australia pretty close and we gave pretty good, given how how depleted our squad is, particularly in the pack. So there's positives, but yeah, one more win or two more two wins out of the next three is probably uh, probably where we're going to be. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, we'll move yeah. on to. 
Sorry, you got anything to say? I was just going to... No, I was just going to say, speaking of being more efficient, we can move on to Ireland. Well, we will. Mr. Efficiency. First of all, we are actually going to bring you a brand new feature that we are doing, which uh, we are calling the Moment of the Naughties. A moment like this Feature. I see what you did there. I like it. New feature. Moment of the noughties. Uh, where that's each time, week... that's the reason I have heard that. Just to, so we're all clear. So we found that as we found bizarre and funny as everyone else did. <laughs> That's what we're I, I, I'm, I hope there's yeah. more surprises like that. I enjoyed that. That is what we're bringing this series. A lot more seamlessly put together uh, VTs. <laughs> VTs? Sound clips. Um, God, we have up to a game. Absolutely. Um, so this is our brand new feature where each week one of us will be picking a moment from the noughties. Um, be that good, be that bad, and we will have a little chat about it. Now, this week is Mo's turn. Mo, what have you picked? Uh, you put this to me during the week, put me on the spot to pick, and the first thing that jumped out of my mind, uh, jumped to mind, was uh, the Ireland England Crew uh, Park game from 2007, um, which was um, a pretty significant day for many reasons. So, yeah, we're going to have a wee chat about that. Absolutely. So, I mean, we'll get into the game in a second, but this is Ireland's second ever game at Croke Park. You lost against France, but significantly, this is the first time they've played England at Croke Park. There was a lot of sort of uh, controversy and a lot of um, column inches filled in the pre-match about the significance of the meeting at the home of, of Ga. Mo, talk, talk us through a little bit about the sort of um, build up to the game. And the background, yeah. please, a bit of history on the, the situation. Yeah, history is up. Well, I'm not going to pretend to be uh, an historian, but, um, yeah, well, I went back to, to Bloody Sunday, really, where um, essentially the Black and Hands entered uh, Coke Park during a match and just opened fire back in the 1920s. Um, and uh, there was a lot, a number of fans and player. Uh, Michael Hogan was killed, and that's where the Hogan stand is named after. Um, but based on all that, there was obviously, um, you know, the British and the English sentiments surrounding the whole the whole thing. Um, so let alone um, allowing foreign games in to be played in Croke Park, um, where it's normally exclusively Gaelic football or, and, and hurling. Um, having England come to play and the big uh, bone of contention was really the playing of the national anthem, um, mm-hmm. where it kind of, a lot of people felt that it's... Um, I guess spat in the face of history or, or whatever. So, um, yeah, it was. I guess I say divided. Divided probably isn't fair. There was probably some objection, but most people were, um, you know, were for kind of moving on and um and, and putting that behind them. But in the build up, there was just even reading back uh, a few articles there. There was like such a tension that people still right up to the hours before the game had were kind of like picked side about no foreign games and um that this shouldn't go ahead. There was other, um, I should really remember his name. There was one player who, whose father had won 
um, all Ireland medals, and he said that he would remove them from the um, Coke Park Museum if the game was going ahead, and, and wow. this kind of thing. So just built by it, and people really didn't know um, what was going to happen, whether the anthem, when the English anthem would be booed or would be um, how it would, would be received at all. Um, and I'd actually been at the the France game myself the few weeks previously, um, and actually looking back on the, on the Six Nations as a whole. Um, the way it transpired, we really should have won the Grand Slam that year. We lost to to we France lost to with France. it. Uh, we lost to France with the third try in the last um, minute, but it was early on in the tournament, so it didn't feel like we were throwing away a Grand Slam at the time. Um, but it was a game that we really should have won, and we went on to win all the rest. And I think that was the year that the France scored late on against Scotland to to beat us on on points yeah. difference. Um, but yeah, I was at the France game, uh, and then I was actually lucky to have a ticket for the for the England game as well. Um, and it just it had this kind of eerie, um, this eerie kind of feel or tension in the air, uh, leading right up to kick off and the anthems, and then obviously the game itself was pretty special. Yeah, so you were, I mean, there was, according to the official stats, eighty one thousand six hundred and eleven people in the ground that day, and you were one of just uh, those many people. Talk us through like how like, the English national anthem actually ended up being like immaculately observed. There didn't seem to be any booing or anything like that that was that was potentially concer- that was concerned about. And then Ireland, uh, sort of the the stadium just erupted during your anthems. Yeah. So again, like uh, like you said, there was. Can you remember it? Can you still feel chill? Yeah, I can. <laughs> uh, I can remember it very well. Uh... It is. Again. Does it bring about good memories? It is. It was a good day. Are the hair standing up on your neck? Well, it was the famous images of uh, of, of Jerry Flannery and John Hayes. Um, oh, he loved to cry, didn't he? And the tears. Yeah. Well, I mean, they were they were in bits. The best part um, of it was was Flannery. He was just—he couldn't sit. He couldn't keep still. He was just vibrating. Like he. The, yeah. The, thing the, I, the the big thing for me was that um, like obviously the, obviously there was the thing about what was going to ha- happen during the anthems um, and like I was even watching back John Inverdale, on the BBC, um, coverage, like they were almost like in suspense about what was going to happen and, I'd say almost nervous about how it was going to go. <laughs> Like looking back, I don't really. It was. It was never going to be that. You know what really could have happened. Anyway, uh, the English anthem was sang. And it was like impeccably observed, and there was you know whatever silence while the English anthem was sung. And then it was almost like this kind of relief of tension, and that nothing kind of went off. And then just went into the the Irish anthems, which were like you know that's as good as you'll ever hear them. Eighty thousand in Cook Park, um, with all the kind of narrative around it. So yeah, it was it was as good as I've ever heard the anthems anyway. Yes. So quickly run through the team. So um, Ireland, go on, Fraz. I was just gonna say the thing. The thing I loved about it was like you can take like you just see the emotion in like Hayes and Flannery, for example. Like those guys, it it was a bit like the the monster game when Foley died against. So the the game against Glasgow, you just knew knew like what was gonna happen, and the boys would have went out there and died for their country that day. Like looking at them in the during the anthems, it was like, you could just see it before the game. It, it, it was going one way. Yeah, if there's one thing that Ireland 
really you know, I do it's it's really perform with emotion as a driver i think that that's actually something that ireland have become a lot better at not needing that emotional drive to to get victories and that's something yes it's it's something that we're historically good at but almost to the point of being to yeah. our detriment where if there wasn't some emotion riding on the game we struggle to get up for it and um, which is obviously you know you can't always have it but yeah in the same in the same sense as that monster game and again it's hindsight's 2020 but there was almost a feeling of like there was no chance the, the, the outcome was wasn't in any sort of question from from the, from the outset yeah. so uh, but at the same time you know it would be easy to come out with all the the um the pressure surrounding it and and you know not perform so um obviously it turned into a kind of a perfect day um you know to be able to bring that performance on the back of mm. all the build up so quickly run through the team. So Ireland's team was uh, Dempsey, Shaggy, Bod, Darcy, Hickey, Rog, and Stringer. And then you had Horan, uh, Roy Best, Hayes, Donica O'Callaghan, Paul O'Connell, Easterby, Wallace, and Leamy. And then the England team was Morgan was starting, but he got replaced quite early by Matthew Tate. Uh, you had Lucy, Tyndall, Andy Farrell making only like his second or third cap, I think. Um you yeah, it was Wilkinson was playing ten, Ellis was playing nine, Freshwater Shooter, Vickery, Deacon, Grucock, Worsley, Lund and Corey. A real um, a real bad year for for England that, that was. Yeah uh, Yeah, when you when, when you look there like that is a that is a poor England pack, yeah. isn't it? I didn't hear what you said. And an in an, a fairly inex, a fairly inexperienced um backline really with Andy Far- I know Andy Farrell's obviously played shitloads of league. But that was only like a second or third cap for England. Strettel was making his debut that day. Um, yeah, the, the weird, a couple of things on the on the teams like England were very much in that weird transitional fallout of two thousand three that kind of yeah. seemed to go on for years and years, um, where they didn't know coaches and selection was never that consistent. And Wilkinson was in and out, um, had a lot of injuries and was in and out. Um, and even looking at that team, like Tindall at thirteen, beside Farrell, I mean. A very one-dimensional centre partnership, and even that pack, like Perry Freshwater, Lou said a lot of names there that uh, really weren't gonna gonna scare mm-hmm. anyone. Um, interestingly, of the names that you've listed there, O'Callaghan's still playing, and Trimble. Rory, Matthew Tate still playing. Yeah, Matthew Tate still, still playing. Uh, Tr- Trimble is on the bench for Ireland. Stringer's still playing. Um, so there's a few. Yeah, Stringer's still playing as well. Yeah, so um, especially uh, it's more impressive for the likes. Obviously, Tate was a was a kid then. Yeah. Um, or he might have been around a little while, but um, for guys like Stringer, who was a very highly established in O'Callaghan International at the time, uh, and they're still going, so they've really got the most out of uh, out of their eighteen years or whatever it is. The other thing on the teams, like on the flip side of the England team, that was like the same Ireland team for that whole period of the, of the noughties. It was so settled. Darcy O'Driscoll centre partnership, Stringer and O'Gara, Dempsey at the back. Uh, O'Connell yeah. and O'Callaghan. You were, you were really building towards the um, ground family. We were a very, very, very selection. Mm-hmm. So after all the emotion of the um, um, of the anthems and uh, it was actually a pretty, uh, pretty timid or even I should say first twenty five minutes or so, and then Ireland finally get some territory and some momentum. Uh, they get brought down just short over on the left. Uh, Grucock gets put in the bin for going offside at the rock, and then Ireland just go on a rampage. Uh, Mo, talk me through this first try. If you, or would you like a little bit of a of this? Inches away now. Control required. Stringer the dulcet tones of Riley. 
Swerving Gervin. Swerving Gervin, indeed, yeah. That, who, uh, was gave, who, who was it that gave the pass um, off their left? It was a cracking pass. I think it was a dress code, was it? It was Bod, yeah. Darcy flicked it up to him very nicely, and then Bod put up a, a, a lovely looped ball out there, and it was just yeah. easy for Gervin after that. So, and it came out of the ball. Like get kicked out of the mall or something. It was something odd. No, Stringer's pass is is actually pretty bad. It goes straight to ground, but then it's, as it's it goes, anyway, the, yeah, yeah. the bouncing ball absolutely does them. But it it it's Darcy's flick on that actually keeps the ball alive and keeps it remotely as a, a try scoring opportunity. And then yeah, Bod's pass is lovely. Yeah, the there was an RT documentary obviously after that year, um, which is really good. But that I feel like I've heard that uh, it must be it must be it has to be it is a uh, commentary from. Uh, Ryan Legion a hundred times, but uh, that yeah, that was Dempsey's try end up kind of going over uh, on Mark. I was I was in Hill sixteen, so that one was scored just in front of me, and then I think the David Wallace score and um, just a kind of a pushover, um, yeah. close, close yeah. in as well, and then, then the other the other two tries were um were in the second half. The, the, like I can't I don't know if I can say this specifically remember it, um, but what I do remember is and I don't know when you were looking back over the clips if you saw it there was um. Horgan like carried down his wing uh, early on, and he did like a forearm on Strettle, and he gets him right in the throat. Um, I don't I know if you've seen see the clip, that, and I, I don't know nowadays if it would, um, if it would fly or what, because like, I don't know, the rules are fairly vague on leading with the forearm, but um, yeah, he gets him a serious shot. I remember Strettle say stayed down for, um, for a good bit. I can remember that, and there's just a lot of a lot of kind of obviously bite and tension in the game uh, from the start um, and mm. then I remember as well um, there's a picture from the game of that was the same the documentary that I mentioned was the same time about uh, with O'Connell uh, screaming about manic aggression and uh, I think that was actually around the French game but like it was at, it was at the time where O'Connell was kind of emerging as this, as this maniac figure um, mm. and there's that picture of him and he's standing over I think it might be I think it might be Tom Reese or someone that was on the come off the bench and Wilkinson. They're both on the ground over a rook, and he just has like a handful of each of their jerseys. They're both lying on the ground, and he's just standing over them like some kind of being a uh, big maniac. So, yeah, basically. The one yeah, thing so, that always um, that's the one thing that always stands out about that game um, that you always tell me more was about just the grown men in tears in, in the stands next to. It's very weird. Like it was ten years ago. Like so, I can't say that I was like, you know, it probably, it probably what had you more. Then, about 40 years like, old then. Yeah, it's just just turning forty. Yeah, uh, that's like your favorite joke, Lloyd, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's a classic joke. It's exactly all the time. But yeah, You're by a factor of two. <laughs> um, yeah, it maybe like it maybe didn't have the same like. I don't know, hold on me the whole thing, but yeah, it was just like it just felt like it was uh, it was such a big deal to so many people. Obviously, at the time, like a win over England, anytime is is always fun. Um, but yeah, this just had a lot more attitude, and um, obviously, then the second half, I don't know if you have a clip of it as well, but the the Horgan try just seemed to be kind of icing on the cake as well as then became such this um, kind of linking everything back to GA and being so appropriate and in that corner and, and all that kind of thing. So. I was that was at of our course office I have a clip of that Mo. You are stomping all over my running order. Um, <laughs> but I just wanted to quickly talk about the uh, the Wallace try, which you say is right in front of you, because right before that, I mean, all through the game in every clip I've seen, the BBC and the RT commentary are talking about how you know Ireland just need to compete in the scrum and just don't let England dominate them. Obviously, England are a man down with Grucock off, but 
what leads to that Wallace try is England have a, a put in in their own five meter line, and they get absolutely crushed. That's right. I watched it in the, in and, the uh, In fact, and then that leads to this try. Such a good voice, isn't he? Ah, uh, last even like I was at the game yesterday, but I'll even uh, dig out the old RT clips just to hear how Ryan Nugent described each of the tries. Like he's pure class. Yeah. So that's you twenty three up, uh, twenty three three up at halftime in absolute dreamland. Is I mean the game's done there. England scored pretty soon after uh, halftime. Mind, uh, Strettle scored, but then no as recollection you said, yeah, of that try whatsoever. It's actually a pretty good finish uh, in the corner from him. Only he only played eight times for England in the end, and oh. that was only one of his. That was one of his only two tries. England have a few like that. He's such a class player, and remember James and Daniel, and just players who just I don't know never ended up getting a lot of England. Well, abandon on, abandon on. Sorry. Yeah, there's another one. Yeah. Yeah. So that all happens, and then we get to the 63rd minute, and then that try that you mentioned. So we'll just play the the clip from that too. Three meters short, presented for Stringer. O'Gara, crossfield kick. Shane Horgan's in position. Oh yes! What a try! Classic Horgan. Yeah, I think it was a uh, was it Lucy underneath him? Yeah. Was there anyone better in the world? Yeah. Uh, Lucy wasn't the biggest anyway, um, and and uh, it's obviously a great take from Horgan, but like it's just pure class from Rog, uh, literally on a sixpence, um, and. Because Coke Park was a Gaelic field as well, massive dead ball area. Um, so mm. it can be a serious chance. And because if you can put the ball into the dead ball area and a winger can get up ahead, you obviously just have to fall. Like you don't have to, you know, gain any further yards. So um it was actually a massive um attacking option, which they probably looked at before, but um yeah, to to execute it and come off like that, like it was that was quality. Well, the line that then comes after is appropriate that the score might come from a field like that in a place like we are. So, yeah, exactly as you say. And, interestingly, when the camera then pans around, there's a guy holding a massive inflatable Irish hammer. And I was just thinking, who the fuck brings that to a game? What's the, is he thinking, if we hammer them here, this is going to look great on TV? Or was he thinking, if shit goes down, I'll be, I'll be equipped. <laughs> I'll be armed. <laughs> You'll be equipped with a big inflatable Irish hammer. Yeah. What a fool. I don't know. Um, and then two minutes to go. Uh, the score is at sixty-three thirteen. England have a scrum at halfway. They throw a blind pass, and then Boss snipes it. And here we are. It's a really weird one, yeah. Um, and again, my my memories of this are mostly um rejogged by that documentary, um, which is really good. Um. But like it's it's shot in the way where What's they have the name of it for our listeners. You put me on the spot now and I can't remember. Just while you're think just while you're thinking of that, interestingly enough, on the BBC commentary, um, it's Ryan Moore and I don't know who's the lead commentator, Eddie Butler, but they um they say that it's Neil Best that's actually ran that try in, which is quite funny because Neil Best and Eddie Butler did look a little bit like like that. That's a shocker. They had they had um they had the hair. Yeah. Um. But uh, yeah. Very incorrect from them. Now. It is very poor, and you can't go back on those. You can't have those uh, live lines again. No. Um. Nope. 
But I can remember... Just like me earlier on with that steam thing, though I might try and edit that out. <laughs> um, Reaching for Glory, it was called, the documentary. Um, Reaching for Glory. And it was... Yeah, so that, was as good. they say, put the icing on the cake. 43-13 uh, it finished. And that was Ireland's record championship victory. Um, the previous one was 22-0 against England. And it was also England's highest ever points total uh, tally conceded in the Six Nations or Five Nations. And it still remains that way to this day. Um, it's difficult to see any time in the near future where England score, concede 43 points or more anyway. So. Mm. There's, a, like, I mean, if, if you think of that, like five, four tries, obviously. But uh, all the while, Rodgers was obviously ticking the uh, keeping the board ticking over 23 points in the boot is a lot as well to really to really turn the screw yeah. but uh, i was just saying uh on that documentary it's it's shot in the way where you know they have the like different groups of players sitting watching the footage back and then they kind of play the footage and you can hear them um their kind of thoughts on it as it goes and i can remember uh rory best at the time um boss had that little mullet haircut mm. and uh rory best just mm. had a Hilarious line about uh, his little mullet blowing in the wind as he as he uh, scampered off to the, to the try line. That's my memory of that try. Boss rocking a cut that most of the Exeter Chiefs now seem deem appropriate to wear, and it's not. It's never appropriate. Little fact that I yeah, it's boss. um took took a crossbow on uh, Rory Best's tactic. He did indeed. And shot it through. The game was the hotel window, didn't it? And I was questioned about why he would bring a crossbow didn't seem to think it was strange at all and when they arrived in budapest or wherever they were um people were wondering when he would first <laughs> maybe let loose of one of these things and uh, he just took it out outside the airport and shot one straight up into the sky and just said watch your heads boys <laughs> uh, that is pure metal yeah. that's pure true 100 percent true um, i've heard the story before but that is crazy yeah, he's now the commercial director of the Irish Rugby Union Players Association. So really? there you go. He's, he's uh, I don't know if he's married or what, but he's obviously got enough roots in Ireland to be staying here. Not invited on stag dudes. That's his job. Oh, I think he was great cracking the stag dude. Um, did I have something else to say about that match? I don't think it is. No, bossy's. There's bossy's a nice article. line from Rob Kitson in the Guardian, so which says, "As the rented Shamrock Cathedral shook from cellar to dome." England looked about as comfortable as choir boys at a thrash metal convention. And I uh, yeah, I thought that summarised it quite nicely. So that is our first uh, dose of Moment of the Naughties. Uh, just, just on that, it's interesting that you said oh. that, that line, but I think um, it's like Fraser mentioned with the, the Glasgow Monster game as well. It was one of those where they didn't know what was going to happen. And it was almost like they were they were not able to prepare for the unknown. I felt like Glasgow were the same against Munster last year. Um, mm. It's just this week where all the emotions on one side, and they're just kind of like a bit part in the whole in the whole show, um, yeah. and and like kind of very hard to kind of adapt. And like you say, just seemed completely uncomfortable with the whole thing from start to finish. Indeed. Um, so yeah, as I said, that was our first first rendition of this. We'll we'll keep it going as long as we keep recording. Um, if you liked it, let us know. Uh, if you think that there's, we should cover one in particular, then do indeed give us a shout on Twitter or at the top two inches, or uh, the top two inches at gmail.com. That is two spelled T W O uh, zero. Oh, um, right. <laughs> Shall we move on then to the actual Ireland game from yesterday? Ricky, you, like you were in 2007, were there. Um, 38 to 3, Ireland won. 
in the end, Springboks shaded possession and territory, but Ireland restricted them to 231 metres and just one clean break. That is their fewest clean breaks in a game since they played Wales last year when they got zero. I mean, it seemed like a total suffocation from Ireland, as well as you guys being very clinical. Yeah, I mean, it was... um. Like, it's just Schmidt and his well-oiled machine, once again, from start mm. to finish. Uh, to be honest, to be at, I mean, it was good, great day, and atmosphere was decent, but there was no level of tension in the game. Um, I think right. I was watching a few clips this morning, and Roger was saying on RTE, from the first moment when Aki smashes their prop, who stays in their tight head in midfield, um, yeah, obviously that was... Nice for him to get one in early, but also he stays him out off. Um, it looked like he did his knee pretty badly. And then for and the resulting scrum, um, we just blew them off the ball and um, Sexton had a shot at goal. But as soon as that happened, two minutes in, Roger's kind of saying the part of the game where you thought South Africa might have, if not parity, they might have advantage was in the scrum. But once that was put off the table, there was really no, there seemed to be no doubt about the result at all. Um, and we just, I mean, at times were undoubtedly pretty boring but at the same time when we go and when we decide to play um we're very incisive and it's it's usually in the right areas and at the right time um so we, mm. we picked off um a couple of really nice scores later on actually obviously not necessarily debutants but a lot of guys who were um maybe playing their first game and um at home or their first real i guess you know big occasion um stockdale and conway on the wings um both just again well, uh, he's 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 a big old boy and he can move for a start. Um, so like he's so dangerous. I mean, there was even a couple of bits, um, for his own try actually. He started the breakout. Uh, South yeah. Africa knocked on yeah. midfield. He picks it up, and he just hands off a fullback as if he's a child, and, and off he goes. Like, but he's able to. He's so so physical. Um, so he's a he's a serious weapon for us. I was also really impressed. Um, it was the build up to um. Maybe to, maybe to his own try actually as well. There was one where he, uh, he Sexton um, passes back inside to him and, and he made a real clean break up the middle. Yeah, um, it's a lovely, lovely line. And then he passes. It's a very nice pass out to the wing as well. There's not many. Certainly, we don't have them, and there are not not even that many in the world wingers who are that size and that pace and at full tilt can give a twenty yard perfect pass off their left hand. So off his uh, hand, yeah. That'll that bodes really well, but. I mean, we're we're just uh, like our our. I think we won four scrum penalties. Um, I had seven turnovers, and I don't know what our penalty count was. I don't know if you have it there, but extremely extremely low. And so, if you're playing against us, like it's very very hard to get into the game at all. Like we didn't. We you said there one nine break. Like watching it, it felt like we were just so so comfortable in defence. We just if we needed to defend for ten phases, we and then when there was an option to poach one, um, we have enough people that are good over the ball. But we, we just we just think right, our way through. Oh no, that's penalties. That is penalties scored. Uh, I'm struggling to find uh, penalties conceded from either side, unfortunately. Usually, um, well, I just know it felt like every attacking South African phase, you know, ended in them, um, ended in, in uh, you know, how did, ref ping how did you feel? Uh, for holding on and O'Brien or. Well, according to Ultimate Rugby, uh, both teams only conceded four penalties each, so. Oh, that sure. can't be true. Did, I'm almost certain that can't be true because we had. How did you feel that Bundy went? Uh, I felt he went very well. Yeah, I don't know if you've seen it back. Um, obviously, very aggressive defensively. Like you don't want to run down his channel. And again, 
we were like centers wise. I mean, South Africa are obviously in dire straits, but Damien Dalende and Jesse Creel of all the positions on the field, they're probably two that even if they had all their um, players back from around the world, they'd probably have a good chance of still being in there. I mean, um, that was their that was their main test mm-hmm. partnership two three years ago when South Africa was still a power. So yeah, yeah, and Dalende is a big old boy, but um, yeah, he got no joy no joy out of Bundy. Um, and also an attack, he didn't get a lot of space, um, but he actually gave a few very nice passes as well, which is a decent dimension to him. I'm just very interested to see when you put Ringrose back in the mix. I, gen- that was my next I genuinely so don't know. Where? I think... Yeah, I mean, there's, 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 a, few, there's, there's a few options. First of all, it takes 23 players to win a game. It takes more than that to win a... Certainly to go far in a World Cup or if you're looking at that. But at the same time, I don't know if... Foresee a world where either Ringo's or Henshaw on the bench. Um, you could move Henshaw back to fifteen, or you could have one of them on the bench. You could have one yeah. on the bench. There's a number of ways you could do it. Um, and the other thing is, like in this day and age of attrition, like how often are you, around the year round are you going to have them all fit anyway? So yeah, I think exactly. it's very important for us to have the three of them. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I personally wouldn't like Bondiaki um, coming off the bench in the in the last twenty minutes. Well, exactly, you know, so... How, um, the have been so, so successful, like, they've got, they've got boys like Jamie George and boys like Genge and things coming off the bench now. 100%. So if, if you can manage to... Well, if you can manage to hang in for 60 minutes against these teams, you've done well, and then they bring the cavalry on. Like, and you you know, it, it's... That's it's 25% of the game, like, so... Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's... As we always say, like, it's a, it'll be a very welcome... Um, headache to have whenever it comes to that. Um, I mean, what else? Just the just some of the basics that we do. So obviously, scrum and line out. I think we lost one line out. Scrum was really really good. Just like I had complete, uh, completely comfortable on our own ball and and um, stole a lot of theirs. Which again, obviously, just unheard of and kind of going back the years for uh, a South African pack. Um, and then even things like like forwards carrying ball. We like we obviously play a pretty tight um, abrasive game. But the forwards all play like very smartly, and a lot of like move their feet before contact and just get that extra few yards. Reese's try actually, Reese Rodick's try. Um, you know he gets it about five out, and and like you really should be you should be being stopped there. But he actually I don't know you call it a sidestep, but he but he moves his feet like to get around the first tackler, and then you know gets pushed over from three or four yards out. So they're just real Joe Smith one percenters, I'd call them, and um, they obviously you know add up to be um to be really good. And then the other thing is that once we do. Um, decide to go wide I feel that we've and maybe now other teams will be better than South Africa but we, we pull them in to be really really narrow and like there was a couple of times where uh, Conway found himself with 30 yards between the last defender and the touchline kind of thing mm-hmm. um, just because we, we'd you know we'd spend phases and phases and phases um, kind of holding them in so and again then obviously Sexton and Murray I mean Sexton at this point is just so in control of every single game that he's incredible yeah um, uh, okay so uh, moving on to looking at the look, moving on to looking at the rest of the of the autumn for you. It's actually kind of an unexciting autumn from an Ireland perspective. You've got Fiji and then Argentina. So what? I mean, Argentina aren't even that. I was reading yesterday that the the last win that they got was uh, against a tier one team was against South Africa in August of last year, and we all know how bad South Africa were then. And then they've since lost. 15 straight uh 15 straight games against tier one teams so what what is success for ireland over the next couple of weeks what what is what do you really want to learn from what aren't 
two probably quite should be walkover matches. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting to see how selection goes um, next week. I don't think we can say Argentina will be a walkover because no, they're bring more than South Africa. Um, I, think, I, would, I, think, I would have to hope. I, I, I would say that in the, the stats you're saying there, like not, they're not hugely fair and representative of where Argentina are at. Possibly Eddie not, Jones, but I know that Eddie, I know that they played. They've played basically the best teams in the world for the last 15 games, so it doesn't help. Yeah, but Eddie Jones was put the question after the match yesterday and very kind of bluntly or quickly snap back, snap back at the, the journalist asking him because it's kind of like well this is a team who went toe to toe with New Zealand and were beating them at half time I think recently. yeah like there's there no marks in yeah, yeah. the England very poor yesterday I think there's an element of that he's making us kind of bit up for how poor England were because I was very uh, I thought Argentina were weren't much caught yesterday yeah if they could kick they'd have probably won the game but from what we're used to seeing Argentina in terms of that being able to just make amazing breaks and actually play ball I saw very little of that yesterday and yeah. they just looked knackered after either playing for the Jaguares in the Super 15 or in the rugby championship they looked knackered after a couple of seasons of getting beaten quite often uh, and I can see Ireland winning it quite easily to be honest yeah I mean I, 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 yeah I mean obviously we'll certainly be Certainly, be expecting to, to win the game. I don't think it'd be any kind of walkover. Um, and really, I guess we're just want to um see a few more more lads um blooded over over the next couple of weeks. Um, and you know build a bit of experience for for guys like Stockdale, and so that when we're coming into kind of Six Nations and building up to Japan, that they're really kind of comfortable at this yeah. level. Um, and I suppose no major injuries is really what you want as well. But no, we certainly don't have the most exciting autumn, especially when. The supposedly most difficult game was up first and is now out of the way with a 35-point margin. Um, it doesn't build a lot of tension for the rest of it. No. No, it doesn't. Um, okay, uh, anything else that you boys want to say about your autumn coming up, the game that has been? Anything else? Uh, no, the... Um, a slight aside, but the... Uh, on Wednesday, the World Cup uh, 2023 is announced and speaking to a few Safas last night who were pretty depressed about the state of their uh, rugby in their country mm-hmm. were very adamant that this thing is not going their way on Wednesday um, now really? I don't know what they know that I don't really? but um, yeah just they think because it's a secret ballot what relevance does the does the report really have so yeah. wait with interest indeed well that's uh, that's quite exciting we'll talk about that next week um, okay well if there's nothing more on that then we will get quizzical um Guys, as we've talked about uh, behind the curtains, this year I am going to mainly play Quizmaster. Nothing to do with the fact that I couldn't win a quiz for love nor money last year. Um, and each week I will try and mix it up. And for to kick us off, I have a game quite often used on Question of Sport. We are going to be playing Home and Away. Coincidentally, the Quiz. guy whose stag it was last night was actually on Home and Away. Really? Well, there'll be no Home and Away related questions. I just used their soundtrack. So, boys, the way the game works is I will ask each of you a question in um, alternative fashion. I don't know what the word yet. Yeah. Uh, alternative? 
I will ask Fraser, I will be asking you Scottish questions. Mo, I'll be asking you Irish questions. Now, you can steal from the others. During a question, if you'd like to give an answer, either of you can answer, please shout your name. I do not want any answers getting shouted out, and I will immediately stop asking the question. Mo, if you were to answer an away question, you would get two points. A home question would get you one point. Is that clear to yeah, everyone? I think so. And, it, and it's going to be first to ten. So, first to uh, ten. I do have a coin. First to ten points. Bear in mind that you can get two points for a ways. Uh, right, Mo, I'll let you make the call. Heads or tails? Tails never fails. You are correct. Um, so, we'll start with you. Uh, an easy one to start. As I say, Fraser, if you think, if you if you can pounce in, just say your name, and you might be able to steal a two. I'm sorry, can, easy one to start. I have to say my name before I, as well? You do indeed. Okay. You, I will need you both to shout your names. Okay. And I will judge it based on who I hear first. Ireland's most capped forward. Mo. Go on. John Hayes. Incorrect. Fraser, you have a chance to steal. Ireland's most capped forward. Mm. That's a shocker. I'm humming calling between Rory Best and Paul O'Connell. I'll ask you to give one of them. Paul O'Connell. Two points to Fraser. Oh. How many caps have you got? That's mad. I did nothing. Shitloads, apparently. Uh, right. Hunters. Right. That's shocking for me. You know, Fraser. A lot of background noise, guys. Stop the walking and the moving. We good? Pacing. Okay, stop the pacing. Right. I'm not. Fraser, home question. Scotland's record point scorer. Fraser. Go on. Chris Patterson. Correct. 3-0 Fraser. Okay. I knew that as well. Mo, how many times have Ireland won the Six Nations? Fraser. Mo. Oh, Fraser, go on. Oh, it was definitely me first. Um, I'm going to say three. It is correct. Fraser, you've taken a five. That's a correct answer. I can only go on what I hear first. Maybe there's a lot. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100% with me. Okay, go ahead. Okay. That's five nil. Mo, you need to score. Uh, Fraser, how many times have Scotland won the Five Nations? Obviously, having never won the Six Nations. Mo, go on. <laughs> this is very tough. Twice, once, 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 once. Incorrect. Fraser, you have a chance to go up to six points. Um, that's a very tough question. Three. Incorrect. It was five. Okay, back to Ireland. How many Ireland players oh, scored three tries in the 2017 Six Nations? Mo. Fraser. Go on. Two. Uh, that was Mo. It's, I it's heard me. Mo first. It's uh, two, CJ Sander and Craig Gillery. You are actually incorrect. You're both incorrect because I both heard you say two. So we'll move on. There was three. Keith Earls also scored three tries. Oh, your question Your question was three, not hat-tricks. That's okay. correct. Um, well, I am making a mess of this. <laughs> <laughs> what is it? What's the score? I should really be keeping this. Is it still five 0 
Yeah, five nil. Yeah. Okay. Who scored Scotland's final try versus Wales in the twenty seventeen Six Nations? No. Go on, Mo. Let me see more. Incorrect. Fraser, chance to steal. Um, I actually don't know. I was on a bus on the way to St. Anton. Um, trying to watch it. I'm going to say... I'm going to say Stuart Hogg. Incorrect. It was Visser. Okay, it remains 5-0. Okay. Keith Earls and who else were Ireland's top scorers at the 2015 World Cup with three tries each? Fraser. Go on, Fraser. Ah, oh, shit. Here, I had my head. I'm going to say your name. I need an immediate answer. Okay, I'm just going to say um, Tommy Bull, but I, don't, I know it wasn't. No, it was not. Richard? I'll have to press you for an answer. Uh, oh my goodness, Connor Murray. No, it's Rob Carney. Okay, but oh Scotland, God, still five nil, still five nil to Fraser. Uh, which Scotland question, player Jim. was? Excuse me, I've got enough questions. Hopefully, um, enough of the rustling. Which Scotland player was in the 2015 Rugby World Cup Dream Team? Fraser. Mo, oh. go on. Fraser is first. Stuart Hogg. Incorrect. Mo? Surely he's probably given an answer. Mo, come on. It's never. Come on, Mo. Richie Gray. No. It was laid lot. Oh, I was going to say him. Oh, my goodness. Well, you didn't. Whoever picked that's a mug. Okay, uh, I am now on question. Okay, so Murphy scored first versus New Zealand uh, in the 2017, uh, sorry, in, the, in your win in 2016. Who scored second? Fraser. I heard Fraser first. So I'm going to have to take his answer. That was like three seconds. Quit your bitching. Oh, I'm going to say I was way ahead. You're incorrect. That's incorrect. No. I think it's CJ Stander. You have finally got a point. 5-1. My goodness. Okay. And in the 2015, Six Na uh, 2015 World Cup, sorry, who was Scotland's top try scorer with four? Fraser. I'm going to have to give Mo that one. That's the first name I heard. I heard Mo first. Yeah, you see, we both here are hearing ourselves first. That, that, that. Anyway, uh, it has to be. Well, it doesn't have to be anyone. It has to be. You've got to give an answer, surely. Come on, Mo. You got can't say your name oh. without an answer. No, it's not Stuart Hogg. Tommy Seymour. It is Tommy Seymour. Oh my Six one. Okay. Ireland topped their group in the 2011 World Cup, but who finished bottom? <laughs> Mo, that is a <laughs> Right, Mo, go on. Uh, Can't say your name without an answer. 
2011. I'm counting down on my fingers, and I'm not going to tell you where I'm at. Three. Oh, like. Two. One. Answer now or forever hold your peace. USA. No. Fraser, you want to have a go? Jesus. Um, I am going to say... I, I don't know. Georgia. Incorrect. It was Russia. Okay. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> You should remember who you played. I remember that Namibia finished bottom of the 2011 World Cup of Wales's group. Um, well done. Good for you. Which tier two nation, this is a Scotland question again. Which tier two nation did Scotland beat in their opening game of the 2011 World Cup? Mo. Mo, go on. Romania. Correct. <laughs> well, well, well. Six, three. Right. How many questions have you Ireland got? lost. I've, uh, 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 enough that Mo would have to score quite a lot of them. 6-3. Um, okay, seventh question on Ireland. Ireland lost to France in their first match at Croke Park, as we've discussed. What was the next game that they lost there? Mo. Razor. I heard Mo first. Mo. Was it Wales the next year? Correct, it was. Wales winning the Grand Slam there in 2008. So that is 6-4. Come on. Okay. Okay. Rustling, can stop, please. Okay. At the 2007 World Cup in Scotland's quarterfinal against Argentina, who partnered Jim Hamilton in the second row? (laughs) Yeah, and I'll need your name first before I hear an answer. Fraser, go on. Incorrect. Mo, do you want to have a stab at it? Ah, sure. Might as well have a stab. Nathan Hines. Correct. Oh, my goodness. This is tight now. Are we up to six all or six five? It's all. Six. Bloody all. Okay. Um... Who partnered Payne in the centre as Ireland beat Canada in their opening game of the Rugby World Cup 2015? So who played at 12? Yeah, the little technical difficulties there. The machine is going mad. Okay, wouldn't be a top two inches episode if we didn't have some errors. So uh, the last question I'd asked was, who partnered Payne in the centre as Ireland beat Canada in their opening game of the Rugby World Cup 2015, and I have been reliably informed that Fraser had said his name first. So, Fraz, do you want to go? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say Robbie Henshaw. Incorrect. Mo, have a stab. Hello, Richard. Here, yeah. I don't even know if he's in the squad. Luke Marshall? Incorrect. It was actually a different look. It was Fitzgerald. Oh, he's done that a few weird times. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, okay, this is getting into a couple of easier questions actually now at 6 all, which I think you guys need, to be honest. Um, so, behind Patterson, who is Scotland's most capped back? Fraser. Fraser, go first. Gavin Hastings. 
Incorrect. Mo, you've got a chance to move 8-6 up. Hmm. Uh... Greg Laidlaw. No. Sean Lamont. Oh, no. The standard of this quiz has been not great, Man. but maybe I'll have to lower the questions the levels in the future. <laughs> okay, still at six all. Irish question now. I think the issue is that you made it first to ten. Yeah, I, I just thought we'd get there. Okay, sorry. Anyway. Oh, we'll get there. We'll, take the week. Oh, we'll, we'll get, get there. there. <laughs> it's whether or not we'll get there with the questions I've got. Um, okay, which player scored only one try versus Italy in the Six Nations this year for Ireland? Mo. Mo, go um, ahead. Come on. He's very prone to this life. Keith Earls. Not Keith Earls. Fraser. Go on. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Sexton. No, it was Gary Ringrose. He scored that wonder try. Oh, step up. Yeah. Can't say I recall. Oh, it's yeah, a good try. I do recall it, but yeah, we got it wrong. Okay, I now have one one easiest question and one hard question for Scotland. I'll go with the easier one. Um, which player scored a hat-trick against Scotland in the Six Nations this year? Again. Braver. Again. Fraser, go ahead. Jonathan Joseph. Correct, 7-6. Okay. Oh, that's a great shot. I wouldn't have got it. Again, relatively easy question. Behind Rog, who is Ireland's biggest point scorer? Fraser. OMG, this is big. Go ahead, Fraser. Johnny Sexton. It is indeed. And with that, because of the lack of questions I have... Um, <laughs> Because that's the 10th question, Fraser has just won 9-6 because there's only two more points that you could potentially get, Fraser, uh, Mo. So I'll ask the question anyway. It is crazy hard, turbo hard. So really, I should be giving like five points if you got this, but I won't. Um, um, at the 2011 Rugby World Cup with two points, uh, with two tries, who was Scotland's leading try scorer? Oh. Go on, Mo. 2011? Yes. Just two tries. Um, like you said, it's crazy hard. So it's obviously someone very bizarre. Um, Rory Lamont. Max Evans. Max Evans is my answer. It's incorrect. Fraz, do you want to go? Rory Lamont wasn't a bad shot. I'm going to say... Um... Joe Incorrect. It was Daniele. Simon Daniele. Simon Daniele. My goodness. Uh-huh. So there we are. Fraser, you have won home and away with a, po- a score of 9-2-6. Woo-hoo! Oh. Okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> lads, that's all I've got. That's all I've got for you this week. Disappointing. Yeah, I mean, Later. just be better in the future. I, I, yeah. Nine six is quite a low yeah. score in the end. Um, okay, anything else to add, boys? 
No, I'm, I'm going to go and watch the Northern Ireland game and hopefully they, they get a couple of goals and sneak through the World Cup. Yeah, absolutely. All right, uh, well, to everyone, thank you very much for listening. If you managed to get this far, um, hopefully we will be recording much more frequently this season. Um, this is hopefully the start of a very good run for us. Uh, Mo is now back in the, in the promised land. He's available. Yeah, I mean, I am moving to the other side of the world myself in the beginning of January, but we'll 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 plod until then at least. Um, but yeah, in the meantime, if you want to reach us, we're on Twitter at the T2I, and you can also email us um, the top two inches at gmail dot com. Uh, any questions, queries, insults, uh, fire them on. All right. Good night. Good night. All right. Cheerio. Bye bye. What's your philosophy on attack with this team? End of them, basically. Um, up the guts and then uh, yeah, swing it wide and, and uh, in the corner.